Hello again. My name is Nicholas McInerney, writer, teacher, podcaster, and Rainbow Dad. Together with Richard Shannon, I produced the first series of Rainbow Dads in 2019. We had an amazing response from you, our listeners. The podcast introduced us to some wonderful LGBT plus organisations, earned several nominations and even won an award. But most moving was the sense that the lives we were sharing included yours. You weren't alone. So here we are with series two of Rainbow Dads. Four interviews, four dads, four extraordinarily different stories. These include coming out in the army, struggling with sex addiction, how a love of cricket led to self-acceptance, and how being a gay dad becomes a lot more complicated when you also have a gay dad. Once again, we hope you find in these stories both the big events and the small but illuminating details, a mirror. We hope you enjoy Rainbow Dads too. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. <laughs> you might have been saying that at the end of the interview. Um, uh, this is something I've done with all of my uh, interviews. I've just started the interview by asking the five words you think best describes you. Ooh, uh, sporty. Ginger. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sorry. Uh, maybe in places. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sporty. Um, fun. Fun. Uh, physical. Um passionate I like a good laugh yeah you've got a terrific laugh actually <laughs> thank you <laughs> <laughs> now Austin this is going to be an, an interesting interview because with the previous three I kind of made notes beforehand because okay. people sent me through bits of information um, but uh, we didn't do that but that makes that makes it interesting and challenging in a different way so okay so um, I'd like you I'd like to start by talking a little bit about your early life Okay. And a little bit about your upbringing, yes, uh, and how that was for you, and the kind of the kind of messages or, or ideas around sexuality that you were picking up, either consciously or subconsciously, from your family, from your friends, okay. as a young lad. Okay, um, so uh, lived in a small town uh, in Dorset. Uh, I'm the eldest of three, uh, younger brother, younger sister. Um, my mum was uh, very much a, you know, just worked from home, basically just, just basically bringing up the children. Right. Uh, whereas my father um, worked three jobs to give us wow. a lovely house um, in a very nice part of the town. Um, so seen very little of him. So he was working three jobs? He was doing three jobs. Wow. Yes. Um, he was gone before we'd get up for school in the morning. And we'd be in bed before he came home. Right. Um, even to the point that he would work on a Sunday as well. So we'd see very little of him. Wow. School-wise, um, Dorchester, uh, my secondary school, was um, a boys' school only. Uh, I was just an average student, but I loved my sport, uh, athletics, swimming, rugby. 
growing up, um, as I said, I didn't really see a lot of my father. Um, but as a gay man myself now, um, I was aware that my dad was possibly gay. Um, when do you think? When do you think you first you first became aware of that? He was a little camp. Just watching him one day run through town, messing around with myself and my brother, um, right. and I probably just took a took a second glance. Not if he was not that present in your life, I suppose the times when he was, you would have been very aware of him and how he was with you. Yes. So here you are. You're um, a, a, one of those sporty kids. We talked a little bit at lunch about how sport confers status at school. Tell me a little bit about how that was for you. My, my school was a boarding school, a school called yeah. Christ Hospital, yeah. 850 boys. To be sporty, to be good at games, was at the very top of the pyramid. Yes. Uh, as I said, uh, the school was only boys. Uh, I was just an average student, but the sports side, I would be part of the cross-country team, swimming team, get into the rugby you know i always remember my class friends you know if one of them beat me at 800 or 15 they'd be bragging for four weeks afterwards yes when do i realize that i was probably gay um and accept ready to be sort of acknowledge that to myself yes um i was probably 21. but obviously there's this huge thing that happens with your father when how old are you when he left um, so my father, um, I think, moved out of the family home in 1991. Right. I was 21. Right. So it's, yeah, okay, right. So it's yep. quite a lot. And I think he didn't actually come out to us for probably another three or four years. It was about 94, 95. Right. Um, but I, again, going back to 91, I was 21. That was the first time that I sort of accepted myself as a gay man. So so let me get this straight, the chronology. Your father left the home, but he hadn't come out. No. And you had also come to accept that you were gay as yes. well. And you must also have had a, um, a suspicion about him yes. as well. Yes. Uh, looking back now, I thought that that's the reason that he had actually moved out was because he was gay. Um, it's not something my parents shared with us. Were your parents affectionate with each other? Again, it's something we didn't really see. Because, as I said, my dad was always at work. Always away. Yes, always It's a great away. avoidance, isn't it? Totally. It's, it's, you know, it's the best kind of avoidance. Because in many respects, you're also fulfilling your fatherly duty to provide for a family. But yes. then avoiding having to have anything to do with the family, particularly... Yeah around the really tough issue, the elephant in the room. Yeah, I mean, you know, as I said, he worked three, three jobs. Um, he must have been exhausted as well. Probably. I said was the year that I accepted that I was gay yes uh, and it was the first time that I bought any gay material right what did uh, you buy um, just the magazine called Zipper bless it um, and strangely from a news agent in Weymouth called Austin's <laughs> <laughs> uh, how was that 
What was that experience? Like? Uh, obviously, the magazine was put straight in a paper bag, as they were. Um, you know, and it was normally hidden in the back of my car, in the boot yeah. of my car. Um, and, you know, I even bought four harnesses that were pushed into the boot of my car. Um, and we're, ne and what, we're never used. What a waste, Austin. I'm sure you look great in a harness. <laughs> <laughs> but there's, but uh, there's something so uh, kind of curious. What I find fascinating is there's something quite innocent about it all as well, isn't totally. there? Yes. The, because before I ever bought any leather or any harnesses, I looked at guys who wore them and I thought they looked as sexy as hell. Yeah, yeah. And But also I was a little intimidated in the yeah, way, but yes, in a yes. good way because yes. there's also the power thing and that's yeah. very sexy as well. Yeah. Uh, so to go out and buy something, I didn't yeah. buy it until I was 45, <laughs> buy my first pair of chaps or whatever. You know, you feel like a king, don't you? But then you put it in the back of your car. Uh, Bless you. Um, you know, it did go on in the bedroom when I was the only one in the oh, house. Oh, God. Um, Yes, and I certainly didn't look, look, like, look like the ones in the magazine. Um. <laughs> so you bought your harnesses and your magazines, bless you. What else are you doing? I wasn't. You weren't? I wasn't. No, not at all. No, again, it got pushed to the back of my head. Well, you've still been very sporty at that time. Not to the extent that I was, no. Right. I suppose I had a hiatus away from sport for quite a while, uh, just working instead. Um, hanging around with friends. Yes. Um, and um, I suppose I didn't really get back into sport properly until I was closing in on probably about just before my 40s, really. Yes, I think that's quite common, I think. And yes. I think that's quite common amongst people who are good at sport. I think there's a yeah. point beyond which you actually need a real push yes. to go to the next level. Yes. Um, what about your attitude towards your dad? Your dad had left. Yeah. How, yes. d what uh, were your feelings towards him? At I had nothing to do with him for about two years. Mm. Um, I would even walk across on the other side of the street if I'd seen him. Um, yeah, I just blamed him for everything. And what was everything? How was your was your mum not coping? Uh, um, we were coping. Yeah. Um, you know, um, my dad made sure we were financially secure. Uh, and. Yes, you know, he was happy to still help out financially. Um, I was obviously already 21. Yes. Uh, my brother was also working at that stage, so it was only my, my sister that was still at school. Yes. Uh, and, you know, he stayed in Dorchester. He was never very far away. Did you know, did you imagine what his life was like? Did you know anything about what that life was? Obviously, going from a beautiful three-bedroomed house, he had gone basically into a bedsit to start again and again. Yeah, I know exactly what that's like as I did very much the same 20 years later. Wow. M myself accepting that I was gay at 21, my dad moving out, it was not the right time to do anything about it. Then with my father coming out in 94, 95, uh, I seen it was small town mentality from where we lived. He right. would He would get um, dog poo through the letterbox he would get women's just, re just remind me what year this was again 94 95 94 uh he would get uh women's clothes through the post i um, mean he always jokes now you know none of it ever fitted uh, <laughs> <laughs> he used to um work in a chip shop and people go in and ask for faggot and chips oh, not you 
Probably faggots. Um, so it was you, as a closeted young gay man, looking at that and thinking, fuck, that, just, that, that, that could be my future. That just pushed me further away from wow. coming out. Um, I was not prepared to put myself through what my dad was putting himself through. come out you've come out to yourself but you've not actually declared that to the world um you're you're buying harnesses <laughs> popping them. your collect your Hiding. collection of harnesses is becoming yes. very impressive yes. <laughs> <laughs> then what happened did you when did you uh so um as i said you know um looking at guys being with guys was still not an option not an option um i met the, the mother of my children yes. um I think probably 90, yes, it would have been about nine, late 94, 95, so very okay. much the same period. So around the time that your father came out. Yes, yeah. um, and, uh, she, you know, she was lovely, again, very sporty in the swimming world. Yes. Um, she was actually married when I met her. Right. Um, but we uh, moved in together in, I think it was May 95. So you, were having, you had an affair with her? Uh, yes. And that's interesting because obviously that must have an impact on how you look at your own father and what he did to your mother. I mean, interestingly, she was actually trying to push me together with one of her friends, thinking okay. we'd be a better match. Yes. Um, and, you know, things happened. Her husband um, realised who it was. Right. It was myself. Um, he was aware that we were swimming together. Um, and, you know, he didn't really hang around and left us to our own devices. Gosh, so maybe it was, there was an element of conven convenience for him. Maybe. He certainly, yeah. you know, he certainly didn't put up a fight uh, or anything right. like that. Um, you know, he was, I think, probably just pleased to let her be happy. Yes. Um, what was she like? Uh, she was uh, eight years older than me. She... She was a swimmer, a very top-level swimmer. Um, puts me to shame. Um, but very career-orientated. Right. Very much the career was was her focus. Wasn't um, someone that was particularly maternal. Um, that was something we never really discussed ever. Right. Um, and, you know, we were actually very surprised you know, less than two years later that uh, we were expecting our so, first child. So, so children weren't necessarily part of the plan? No. How did you feel when you were going to be told you were going to become a father? Um, I was overjoyed. Um, yes, totally. Um, so that it was part of your plan? <laughs> uh, was it part of my plan? I don't know. Um, when I was, you know, my wife kind of forced the issue, you yeah. know, so I want to be pregnant by... Thirty. But yeah. I'm so glad she did. So yeah, yeah I, I, ah. something I would never change. But yes, um, and we had two daughters within 13 months of each other. Right. So right. Um, but yes, the family were overjoyed. Um, kept the second one very very quiet because again, total surprise. Did not expect that, and everyone was so everyone was so fascinated and into my eldest daughter that. Uh, you know, we didn't tell anybody until, goodness me, probably with about three months to go, there was actually another one on the way. 
There's, there's quite it's quite an interesting little theme of secrecy going on here, withholding things. And I think yes. that, that that naturally accords with the secret you're holding inside yourself. Because Absolutely. I think as uh, as somebody like yourself, who probably realised I was gay from an early age, I became quite adept at being able to put on a particular face to the world and conform to certain types of behaviour as a loving husband. And they were genuine. I wasn't being a fake, but I wasn't being true and integrated about myself. Totally agree with that. Totally. an increasing awareness of quite how exhausting maintaining this pretense to myself was yes. is that something that you recognize in what was happening with you or were you able to kind of you know were you just better able to departmentalize your, your yes I, I was able to again push them to the rear of my back mind mm. um, as my daughters were growing up as I said I was very sporty their mum was very sporty in the swimming world and you know i i was teaching my children to swim in um a private pool and they they probably started competing oh, from a very very young age at a number of sports um and that gave me a focus away from me again sport was the main focus yes as a family, uh, our weekends were normally away competing. You know, one down in Plymouth, one up in Manchester. Yeah. Um, you know, which daughter are you taking? Yeah. And so, yes, that's where the, my focus was, was giving them their chance to compete at the level they wanted to. And you wanted to do, of course, and you wanted to do the best by your children, but there's all, they're also living out your dreams as well. It's all y yes, a fascinating. Yes. And I can look back and admit that I was probably one of those pushy parents to a point as well. Yeah. So how what happened in order for you to then realize that this is something that you could not sustain? Their mum and I weren't living separate lives, um but it started to get to the point that you know um I seemed to be having more fun with just the children. So we'd have I'd go on holiday with the children abroad. Right. Um and the mum wouldn't come. Um and yes, we just started doing less and less together. Uh again, in plain sight, but no one really questioned it. Yes. Um, and as I said, I was very much into athletics and swimming. And it was so by this stage, it was about it was 2014. So my girls at this time are about 16, 17. Right. So they're beginning to build their own lives. Yes, totally. Cool. They were um, doing O levels and A levels. And I headed off to um, Oslo to the Bislett Games, which was an athletics track meet mm -hmm. in Oslo. Uh, I had gone with the British Athletics Supporters Club, so everything was organized by them. Mm -hmm. um, stayed in a beautiful hotel and realized there happened to be a gay sauna just down the road. Right. And as I had traveled on my own, it was my perfect opportunity. Right. So one evening I paid the gay sauna a visit. And is that the first time you had gay sex? Totally.
So, you went to the sauna. Um, you presume you didn't sit there well, playing, I wasn't, uh, playing Scrabble. I wasn't too impressed to start with. It's like, well, is this it? Um, <laughs> there, wasn't, there wasn't a lot going on. Um, oh, sauna. And oh. I was actually about to leave. I was having a shower. And suddenly I heard voices behind me. And there was these four Vikings <laughs> just stood there. Oh, my God, I'm so there. <laughs> and uh, one of the guys just said, oh, would you like a hand showering? Um, and I probably, I probably squeaked it out. Yes, please. And uh, yes, and it just went from there. Yeah. Went off to a private room. And uh, worryingly, the others that happened to have been there seemed to be banging the door down and uh, yes so that was my first sexual experience uh, coming out uh, the, the guy that I had been with I take it I'm, um, I'm can I see you again and I went uh, definitely yeah. not to no. know and <sighs> jumping on the plane to come home yes I was like okay I enjoyed that I'm gay now what do I do? Yes. And what did you do? Uh, stewed for stewed for many months, um, and then obviously my my daughters were everything. Mm. Um, again, obviously I said that I'd watch my dad come out. Wasn't prepared to go through that, but you know we were now. 15, 20 years on. It wasn't long before I came out uh, to my family in 2014. We were actually sat at the dining room table eating. And I said something about dad. And without even thinking, I said, and his boyfriend. And mm. my youngest daughter looked up and went, what, granddad's gay? Mm. And it's like, and my girls are, are very different. Um, and yes, my youngest is very naive, like myself. Um, and just hadn't realised, you know, that he was always round with a guy. <laughs> and it just didn't even come into her, her... She just wasn't even aware of it at all. Um, yeah. But watching her response, for me, was a big thing. Uh, because she didn't have a problem with it. Yes. Um, I did start dating a guy a couple of months after I had been to Oslo. As time progressed, my, um, my partner at the time, you know, he was sort of saying, you, you have to tell your family. Yeah. And, you know, this was for much for me as it was for him, you know, because he knew full well that he wasn't going to be able to have a proper relationship with me yes. unless I had come out yes. to my family. Yes. Um, and as I said briefly to you, um, when uh, when I did come out, it was telling. It was like being on on a safari. You know, you see the the top five animals that you want to see. This was about telling the most important five people in my yes. in my life. Um, but I had to tell. I I still wasn't ready to tell the family. Um, and I actually came out to one of the girls at work. Right. Um, because after coming back from Oslo, I had changed as a person. How had you changed? Uh, I was I was angry. It was all about 
it was all about admitting to myself still that I was gay, but I was fighting my own demons. Um, you know, uh, my children both say I became short-tempered, I was becoming yeah. strict, um, you know, I was angry at work, um, people were having a joke and a laugh, I thought they were having a laugh and a joke about me. And again, it was just telling that first person. So you were angry with your own frustration at not being able to say? Yes, totally. Not yeah. being, as you already said, just saying you're gay for the first yeah. time is huge. It's um, huge. Yes. And in point of fact, you never stop saying it because you every time you walk into a new situation, <laughs> you could be coming out all the time and that's a decision that again you yeah. have to make it's like but, holding but I mean I was you know I wasn't even turning up for work um, okay. then I'd be late I wasn't explaining to my boss uh, and he was amazing uh, he went Austin it can't be that bad you must be able to tell somebody and you know when I when the girl that helped me at work said come on let's let's go into the office yeah my manager, he was in there, who I had a great relationship with. Um, you know, he knew my family anyway. Yes. Uh, and my line manager, uh, again, she was lovely. I later found out that someone in her family was also gay, yeah. which made, but, oh, just telling them. And, you know, I remember literally just bursting into tears. Yes. Literally sobbing and couldn't stop. Yes. It was yeah. just like everything had all come yeah. out yeah. at once. Yeah, yeah. Um, torrent yeah totally it was um, to, you know and as I said they couldn't have been more helpful mm. they were amazing and then as I said it was to tell the big five how did that go um, so I had done my delivery at work and I just couldn't stop any longer my father was already aware at this point that I wanted to speak to him I had asked to speak to him and he said that when I did tell him, he was aware about only three months before I came out that I may be gay. Mm -hmm. uh, him and his partner were at our house. I did something while I was sat at the computer and they said they both just looked at each other. So something in my, in my mannerisms again, maybe, but at that point, my barriers were already going down. Yeah. I wasn't trying to hide so much, and I think I was probably prepared to start showing it. Th that's the point. You spent so much time fighting. And as you said, the strength. Not to check <laughs> yourself. And there's yeah. so much exhaustion and tension in that. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. Yes, uh, so he was aware. So when I did tell him, uh, I'd just finished my delivery, uh, and it's like, okay, I can't hold this off any longer. Uh, by my boyfriend at the time, I said, right, I'm doing the first one now. He went, well, I'm doing the first one, I'm calling my dad. Mm -hmm. uh, called my father, um, and as, as soon as I said it, he burst into tears to start with, mm -hmm. was so happy and excited. Then he started laughing. Then it was both at the same time, I actually couldn't work out what he was doing. Um, and he was just so pleased for me. And he just said, oh, oh he said, I, I'm so happy for you. And, you know, then it was, have you told mum? Have, mm. you, have you told the girls? Um, and it's like, no, mum is next. Uh, so, yes, the first one had gone very well. Mm -hmm. But I suppose 
that was to be expected. Mm. That was that was the easy one. I was going to say <laughs> he, he didn't he hadn't got your back then, really, quite frankly. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah. that was the easy one. Uh, I decided to do mum in person. Right. So I drove to my mum's. I had to be very stern with my mum. It's like just sit down, shut up, listen. Yeah. Um, which isn't easy for my mum to do. And when I did tell her, um, there was nothing in the face, nothing of shock, nothing of surprise. All she was concerned about was my daughters. Yeah. What have your daughters said? What have, what have the girls said? Um, I haven't told them yet. Why? I went, you know, I said, I've got to do one at a time. You know, yeah. I need to do this slowly. Uh, again, since talking to my mum, she hadn't been aware that I was gay. Um, although I know that my sister had looked up and said, oh, come on, it, you can't be that surprised. Yes. So, you know, um, people did have an inkling. Um, and, you know, my friends and I had sort of say now, how did no one know? And it's, But as you, you said, you put up this front, you put, give every ounce of strength to hide who you really are. Yeah. And I thought I used to do quite a good job. <laughs> I'm sure, well, you did. You did for a certain period of time. So, but you can't yes. do it forever. No. Um, so then it was my children and their mum. Uh, by this time, I would probably say, you know, I was spending a lot of time with my boyfriend. Mm. I was spending less and less time with these. You know, and people were asking, where is us? You know, what's he doing? Mm. Um, so I think people are aware something was... It, yeah. I wasn't being me. Yeah. Um, when I got home, um, I sort of said to children's mum, you know, where are they? And unfortunately, they were having a huge party upstairs. So decided to leave that and tell their mum. Mm. Uh, very surprised with the response to start with. Um, she wasn't in shock. Uh, she had found some material under okay. my bed before. Uh, which I was aware that she had done. Mm -hmm. I blamed my father. Um, <laughs> and it is useful to have a game. Yeah, it is. Yes, he got blamed it? for yeah. quite a lot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and she actually welled up, started crying, uh, which I was very surprised at because she was a strong, mm -hmm. independent woman. Uh, uh, but she was actually really relieved for me, really, really pleased for me. That was short-lived. Right. Um, that changed quite drastically over a course of a couple of weeks. To start with, yeah, everything was fine. I could stay in the house, yeah. save some money, yes. go out on my own. Um, but I'll sort of come back to that. Um, I left the girls because, again... It was a very, uh, you know, I do feel responsible for their exam results. Uh, as I said, they were in their O-levels, their yeah. A-levels. But I couldn't hold off any longer. I had to mm. get it out. Um, you know, I was probably, su I was suicidal. Uh, I spoke to my eldest first, who I thought would be the one that would have dealt with it the best. Um, she just sat on the sofa and... Literally, I told her, and you know, I went to go in for a cuddle and a hug. Mm -hmm. She she didn't want to touch me. Um, didn't say anything really. Um, disappeared up to her room. Uh, 
Yes, and suddenly, suddenly I had my big, first big barrier. Right. It's like, you know, the, the other three had gone quite well, and suddenly, okay. Um, and yes, we became very distant in the house. Again, I was staying with my boyfriend more often. Still hadn't told my youngest. Uh, I think I told her about the following weekend, so I'd left it a good week. Right. But everyone else had, you know, kept the bargain. I had to tell them no one had said anything. And my youngest was totally the opposite. Just jumped off of the sofa, literally went, well, is that it? Mm. Gave me a huge hug. Um, and after speaking to her this week, she actually remembers that she looked at me. She went, oh, great, you can help me with my fashion sense now then, Dad. <laughs> Do you have any fashion sense? No, I don't. <laughs> so... <laughs> That uh, took a long time. And that gay card in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that took a long time. <laughs> so that was the that was the big five done. Yeah. Um my mum and my eldest daughter were the quiet ones. Um and as I said, with their mum knowing that I hadn't been around the house because I was obviously doing more things away from the family, yes. she suddenly realized that I was obviously mm. already seeing somebody and that hurt. Yeah. And that's is that what, is that what um, pr prompted her, ch her gradual change? Yes, it was, yeah. And that brought a lot of family arguments at the dinner table. Mm -hmm. um, but, Interestingly, my oldest daughter started to come round to the idea I was gay and actually started to defend me. It was difficult, but I also had to try and calm the girls down because they were coming so much to my defence, they were actually attacking their mum, mm. which, you know, wasn't any of her fault. Um, so the quickest option was to get out fast. Right. Uh, which is what I did. My children, their mother, obviously asked me to leave. Yes. Um, and so I went into a room to rent in a small village. Um, and as I said, my youngest daughter had been okay with me being gay. What she suddenly found hard was that dad was no longer at home. Yes. And they felt it very awkward coming to somebody else's house to mm. have dinner with me. Um, so that became less and less. Um, so from going, having an amazing father-daughter relationship, and, you know, I had an amazing relationship with both of them, you know, it very much daddy and their girl mm -hmm. um, and suddenly that was that was slowly dwindling away um, and were you trying to mitigate that were you trying to prevent that from happening was a part of you that felt it, that it, it was a it was a phase uh, as I said they were in their O levels and A levels um, their mum was obviously very angry with me, so going back to the house was not an option. Yeah. And so every time they went back home, they would get yes, a, a um, bad you know, mouthing. And 
it was hard. You know, I remember, you know, as we've gone over, I lived in a small town. Mm. Uh, Postman in the town. Because of my sport, I always helped out at the, 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 the school. Um, you know, I was coaching athletics for the team. So everybody you're quite knew. A vi- you're quite a visible person. Yeah, so everybody knew who I was. I think the first journey and seeing how different the gay world was is the guy that I said, my friend that I haven't spoken to in 29 years, uh, he lived at the time in Birmingham with his partner and they actually invited myself and my partner up to go to Birmingham Pride. Right. I really didn't know where to look. Uh, You know, uh, in one of the clubs, you know, there's these two guys dressed as Roman warriors with somebody on the end of their lead. Mm. And it's like, what's going on? But it feels to me that that is very bound up with with, uh, our identity as gay men, that somehow in the process of playing out this role, it feels real. Conventional people would say, you're not being on it. You know, you dress up, and actually it's a way you're hiding yourself from somebody. I think it's completely the opposite. I think we do it in order to be able to confront our desires and our fantasies. Yeah, and people will interpret it in a particular way, but when you're in it, you know, it's it is it does carry a huge erotic charge. Well, I would say that I didn't ever understand drag. Yes. Um, and again, you know, one of the first times I was really aware with it was at at um, Birmingham Pride. Yes. Um, you know, thinking this person next to me haven't done a very good job, have they? But watching RuPaul, I understand why people do it, because it's not a front, it's actually totally the opposite. Finally, I wanted to talk about your relationship with your children, because this is a show called Rainbow Dads, and, and it's it's an exploring the incredibly mm-hmm. diverse stories of our dads that we connect with people. How are you? How is your relationship with your daughters now? And how do you? How would you like to see that moving forward? Um, obviously, my my girls are now twenty four and twenty five. Um, they live their own life. Obviously, um, my eldest has just moved back down here from the Cotswolds, which is lovely. Um, it just means she's an hour down the road. Uh, but yeah, my relationship with them have, has probably nearly come back full circle, really. Um, there are times, you know, their mum has moved on. She has, you know, a guy in her life now. And he has a great relationship with them. And, right. you know, and I am a little bit jealous, or I have been at that. Right. Um, but I also realised I had to go away. I had to find myself. Um it was never going to be the right time with everybody, yes. but it was the right time for me. Um, I had my daughters up just after Christmas right. uh, with my mum and my dad, and it was absolutely wonderful. Uh, you know, COVID had got in the way of a lot of yes. family gatherings, and, you know, the year before, I'd actually met my daughters 
in the woods to exchange Christmas presents yeah. because, you know, we weren't allowed to meet. That was it. So to have them both there, and it's not very often I get to see both of them at the same time. Um, but yes, and even just talking them to them this week, saying that I would like to do this podcast, um, it brought up good and bad memories. Yes. But that we can laugh about both. Um, do you think they'll listen to the podcast? Yes, I think they will. They will probably ask me what it's called and such like. Um, and, you know, I did say I was going to be pretty honest and brutally honest. Yes. Um, so, you know, I didn't want to say something that would upset them. Absolutely. But, but, actually, but interestingly, my, eldest, my youngest daughter actually was, she was probably the most open she's been for a very long time. A lot of heartfelt emotion from the heart and the sleeve. Um, and it was lovely. I think at the end of the day, as parents, all we can really do is model the kind of behaviour that we hope will let our children make good decisions for themselves. Because yes, we yes. don't know the situations that they are going to find no, themselves. No. And it seems to me that in coming full circle, doing more, you're going back to doing more sport, you've absolutely yes, yeah. reached that point, yes. which is and, amazing. You know, and for my youngest, um, you know, she's actually stuck with a sport. She is now a coach herself. Um, you know, and she's she's actually one person that's doing something she's always wanted to do. That's fantastic. Um, you know, and she's been in that sport now since she was age four. Wow. There so, you, go. you know, so but they again, they always know I'm on the end of a phone. Yes. Um but you know, they're they're young adults now. Yes. Um Yes, absolutely, and they're making their own way in the world. Yes. Austin, it's been an absolute delight to talk to you. Thank, thank you, you for coming up no, thank you. to us in London uh, here at Goldsmiths. And thank you for being one of our splendid Rainbow Dads. <laughs> thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. If you have been affected by any of the issues raised in Rainbow Dads 2, please contact LGBT Plus Switchboard on 0300 330 0630. And if you have enjoyed Rainbow Dads 2, please consider donating. Any donation, no matter how small, will enable us to produce future podcasts and bring more diverse and engaging stories to a growing audience worldwide. In the next series, we would like to focus on rainbow mums and rainbow kids. Please donate if you would like to join us on this journey by hitting the gold button on the right-hand side of the podcast page. Thank you. Rainbow Dads 2 is edited and mixed by Thea Ricard with music by Mina. It is produced by Richard Shannon and Nicholas McInerney. With very special thanks to David Ledane.